Hi, my name is Leslie Bustard. Welcome to The Square Halo, a place for conversation with friends who have shared their ideas in our Square Halo books. In this episode, I speak with writer Andy Ashworth about her contribution to A Book for Hearts and Minds, What You Should Read and Why. We are here at Lady Lodge, my second time at Lady Lodge with you, Mm -hmm. but you've been coming to Lady Lodge for 20 years. 20 years. 20 years. And we're sitting right by this beautiful window Mm -hmm. overlooking the river. Yes, we are. And we're thinking about as soon as we're done talking and recording, we're going to go swim. We're going to jump in. And swim with the fishes and the turtles. Yes. And it'll be lovely. Yes. But I'm really grateful. Thank you for taking this time for us to talk about a few ideas together. And the blessing that your words have been to me and have they've been to my husband. And then how you added good words into our book that we published for Hearts and Minds, Mm -hmm. that we celebrated Beth and Byron. I'm interviewing people who have contributed to Square Halo. And I thought, I'm going to be with Andy. Let's talk about food and ideas together and get your thoughts, especially your thoughts about where you're at in some of these big ideas that have guided you for your lifetime um, as you've been following Jesus. Kind of talk about a little bit about where they've come from, but really where they are, where you're with them right now. This morning when you were speaking and you're speaking to the women, you shared that over the course of your life that you have seen three themes or three callings that have come out, three ideas that you have returned to throughout, throughout your days as you follow Jesus. And they are care of people, care of place, and care of words. So how did you start to realize that these were the three ideas or the three themes and we talk about callings, that those turned out to be your callings or your vocation. Mm-hmm. I have uh, just been able to put it in a simple terms like that, more through looking back than when I was in the middle of it. Um, when I was in the middle of it, and I still am in the middle of it, but it's a different season. So um, just through writing and through creating talks, sometimes you need to sum things up and especially as you're thinking through vocation which is such a huge topic Um, but I just I realized really those are the main themes and they have been that since I had small children in a little tiny house in Sacramento and and that was kind of the kickoff that was the beginning and then through every home that we had, from California to Nashville, kind of growing bigger and bigger until we lived in a place in Nashville called the Art House. And really the work of my days was to care for this old, century-old church that we turned into our home and studio and gathering space, to care for the place itself to um, cultivate gardens, so cultivate the outdoors and cultivate the indoors, care for my family first to raise children and partner with my husband, and then to care for many people who came through our doors for um, all kinds of reasons, to 
to gather for teaching events or to have a meal with us or to work in the studio. But it was always about people are coming and they need something. They need conversation. They need welcome. They need, um, as, I, as I came to understand who I was more in the process of that, I understood that I need to create beauty and there are certain ways that I do that. And, I, and it also is really important for me to um, nourish people, to, I have a nurturing thing in me, so you know that had a place both with my family and with people who came. When people came to stay with us as house guests, I realized over the years that they always come needy. They come, um, and you can't, not pay attention to the basics. You can't not pay attention to the fact that they're going to need a, a clean space to be or a room with uh, clean sheets on it or um, they're going to need breakfast in the morning. They're going to need a meal at night. There's just there's, there's a dependency that comes along with, with hospitality, with having people come to you and be in your space. So whether it's the needs of children or the needs of a family, the needs of guests, the needs of people you've never even met, which was often the case in our life, yeah. was to welcome strangers. And so it was something that just grew in me over time to learn all the nuances of what that might mean. That uh, And it grew in me over time to, to just want to tend to a lot of details to think through, well, if somebody's driving up into the driveway, um, I think they're gonna they're gonna see the gardens and they're gonna feel like, oh, this is this is something that has I don't know that there's a welcome to that, and uh, and so I I same thing when people came in, into the door into the house, especially if it was nighttime or later I wanted them to if I could if I possibly could I wanted them to be greeted by a scent mm -hmm. something coming from the kitchen um, so the so that so it was always working together the mm -hmm. family and the and the people who came to us um, right now we're in a diff different season of our life but we still have a home and we still care for it, and I still have gardens, and I still cook, and I still feed us, and I still feed um, our family from time to time, and so that's just, that's a theme, it's always there. And then, did you ask me about the words part already? Or are we just no. on place? And so we're really just thinking about how did you come to see, or when did you come to see, okay, oh, these so are I, the things. Yeah, so I really came to see all of that just both along the way because I was writing all the time. And so as I was writing, I was writing about our life. And I often wrote about those themes. Mm -hmm. and, and then of course, as I get older and older and older and I see those themes continue on um, in my life, I understand them more and I understand that they weren't just for a season or they weren't just for a time when that was really, really big everyday work, but it's still really important to life now. 
and uh, yeah, so so it's both in the doing and in the looking back, in the and writing. and in the writing and in the kind of assessing of all that. It seems when I'm hearing you speak, you're caring for people, and so they're going to come needy both in their body, but also in their spirit or in their minds. They're, everyone comes with things that they're wrestling with or happy mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can't really end up separating those two things. Right. And it seems, as I've paid attention to your life, your caring couldn't be separated from the body. And sometimes we really want to get to the spiritual thing with someone, but mm-hmm. sometimes we can't get to the spiritual part without the avenue of caring for the physical, caring right. for the body. Yes, because we are physical people. Yes. And that's the way God has made us, and He's made us to use our hands and our feet and our minds and our hearts and every part of us to serve other people. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, yeah, you can't... You can't bypass the needs of the body. No. They're just, they're there, and they're very prominent, and that's where we live. We are embodied people, and we, um, so we have other needs. We have needs for connection and relationship, and and so those are all met, I think, through, start beginning here. Starting at beginning, the beginning. Beginning with the embodied mm-hmm. needs, and then the other things follow, and right. are wrapped up into them into that. What do those three things mean for you right now? Caring for place for me is is really the same as it's always been. It's caring for a home for us to live in. And I I do that along with my husband. And we do it together. Um, Caring for people is everything from caring for each other, caring for my husband, caring for our marriage. Um, We live in a neighborhood now which we didn't before and uh, it's just about it's more of a mutual hospitality that I get to experience now this season in my life so Mm. it's care caring for friendships and being cared for by friendships Um, definitely caring for grandchildren and uh, that that has had a different look in different seasons of life Uh, so Right now, it's sometimes it's about uh, just taking care of them, but also it's also about having a lot of fun with them and doing fun things together and just being being present, um, having conversation, playing games. Yeah, um, just caring for our relationship with them, um, caring for women friends, uh, caring for people in my book club. Mm. Caring for old friendships, just so many different ways. I mean, we have a lot of connections from a lot of years of just knowing people over over uh, you know long life. By now, I'm 63, and so yeah. So that that's what I mean by that. I mean, I, sometimes I mean it physically, but mm-hmm. often, but I also mean relationally and. Uh, connecting wise and yeah so all of that and then caring for words ah that's just that's a long one that is um, I mean at present my husband and I Chuck and I are sharing a blog called the writer and the husband and 
it's something that we're doing together in this this season of our life, and um, and that's that's fun. It's it's just a sweet thing that we have a togetherness in it. Um, mm-hmm. So I am writing a lot for that, writing longer piece essays, mm. personal essays. So that's always kind of an ongoing thing that I'm either thinking about or in the process of doing. I care for words by reading them. I'm a major reader and book lover and um, that's a really necessary part of my life. Yeah, me too. And I, I care for words by, um, I've always been uh, really intentional about um, being with our grandkids around books and reading to them when they were little or giving them books or just making sure there were books in their life and some of them had more opportunity to have that in their own families than other ones did. And so um, that's part of it. So caring for words is a it's a big thing, you know. And it goes. And I'm I'm I journal. I I'm an archivist, so I keep a long, long, many years of diaries. So taking everyday life and putting it on the page, so that I can both. I need to do that for myself, but I know one day those will come into some other hands other than my own. And uh, hopefully that will help people who come after me to know what it was like to be a woman, a mother, a grandmother in this time, in this era. That's a beautiful way to even think about passing on wisdom or passing on yourself mm-hmm. to the next generation. Because mm-hmm. I, I would imagine, I have in my, my imagination, maybe one of your granddaughters taking a journal and she's... She's getting to visit with you, and mm-hmm. there's sometimes where I have found that we're not ready to hear the vo- the words vocalized out of one's mouth. But there's something about reading a journal or a memoir right. that there's almost like a headspace or a heart space that's that can receive things differently sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I re- I ha- have my grandmother's diaries. Really? Yeah, or some of them, and they've been really really important to me. Yeah. To for the very same thing, to see what it was like to be her, mm-hmm. to be in her time, to be in a time that was also my time when I was young. I spent a lot of time with her, and because she wrote down daily life, I was in it often. Oh. So I got mm. to see my childhood more in her diaries than I really did in any other way, mm. except in my memory. Um, and uh, so they've been a real treasure to me. And I really started keeping my own diaries modeled after her doing that. She just wrote ordinary, ordinary things. She wrote down her ordinary days. And yeah. then you could see how extraordinary it was to be faithful in the ordinary. To get that big picture mm-hmm. of that day in and day out and doing the... the the work of caring and loving and keeping mm-hmm. up. Yeah, just what, what her life was made of and mm. all the bits and pieces, you know. So they've been a great blessing to me and I don't I don't do this at all just with keeping in mind that I'm going to pass them sure, on. And exactly. some of that would probably I'd love to 
cut it a bunch of it. Yes. <laughs> um, but I probably won't just because I think it's it's probably just best to just say things as mm-hmm. they were, say it honestly. Right. I haven't kept those type of journals, but I've kept... Um, I love to just write down um, poems or prayers or verses or excerpts from books. So that's what I've ended up keeping. And sometimes in between them would be prayers that have to kind of be wrapped up mm-hmm. with ordinary life. Mm-hmm. Um, but that need to just write down and to keep track of ideas or words and thoughts, for me, that makes it become more real yeah. when I'm writing it out. Mm-hmm. I can easily read it in a book or underline it, but I love just being able to put it on paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really important for me to to write down the details of life. Mm-hmm. Um, as a mother of young children, but also as my life continued to be about the details of taking care of people's lives, intersecting and beyond that, mm-hmm. because the days can just disappear, the weeks can disappear. Yeah. And you can say, I don't know what my life was about because it's all gone. It was, it's gone into, yes, you know, meals that have disappeared and conversations that have disappeared and you know all kinds of things. So, so it's been really, really helpful to actually write things down and be able, and that really has helped me to understand vocation because then mm. I could see what's reoccurring what's there um, and, and you see it happening again and again and again and you can understand that God is calling you to these things because they're, they're there and they don't go away yeah let's talk about some of the words that you've written for us about cookbooks and cooking mm-hmm. and so part of your caring for people has been about food and it's been about cooking. Mm-hmm. And the beginning of your essay, you list several cooking and food memoirs, such as uh, The Bread and the wa- bread and Wine, Shauna Nyquist, and also uh, Supper of the Lamb by Robert, I never say his name correctly. Do you I know how to say it? I think it's Capon. Capon? I'm not positive, but I think. I do really love that book. We'd have people come for dinner, and I would say, okay, we've eaten. Now we're going to read the first chapter of this book. Because <laughs> it was so, I just loved it so much, and I wanted to keep sharing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so any recent food memoirs that you're reading now, things that have grabbed your attention? Yes, I just finished a food memoir called Save Me the Plums by Ruth Reichel. Are you familiar with her? She was editor of Gourmet magazine when it was a very important magazine Hmm. for a long time. Before that, she was, uh, let's see, restaurant critic of the New York Times. Okay. But she's somebody who I've enjoyed almost everything she's ever written. She has quite a few food memoirs, but she just wrote one about her time at Gourmet magazine as their editor. It's called Save Me the Plums. And uh, that that one I loved. And then uh, I just picked up her, the book she wrote before that one, and that was about her time as a restaurant critic at uh, New York Times. And it's called Garlic and Sapphire. Oh, I'm so intrigued about yeah, both of those. So I just started reading it on the plane to come here, so I haven't gotten very far. But I just really love her writing. It's very warm and engaging, and it's and it's all about food and people. And, 
I love things that I love mm-hmm. books that are about food and people. Yeah. Is her Save Me the Plums that makes me think about William Carlos Williams short poem about I'm sorry I took the plums from the fridge. I think it might be from that. From that. I can't remember. She's she's she says it somewhere. It okay. I'm curious. Now mm-hmm. I want to read it just to find out mm-hmm. how and like what does that look like? to be this warm and engaging person because she must be pretty smart to be, have been yeah she's had just quite so a career. talented she's had quite a career and be able to write in, in a way food. that draws you in mm-hmm. and is inspiring yeah that's what I appreciate about a good food memoir where it's inspiring and it makes you feel like oh I even if I can't do this like them I can move forward in a life of cert- giving food to people yeah it can mean something yeah um, she's very relatable. I mean, she's had this huge career and all these things, but she's also very relatable mm-hmm. in in uh, bringing things into her her actual life. Yeah, you know, at home too. So you quote in your essay, "Food is not just some fuel we need to get us going toward higher things. Cooking is not a drudgery we put up with in order to get fuel delivered. Rather, the cooking and the food." Each is a heart's astonishment. Both stop us dead in our tracks with wonder. Even more, they sit us down evening after evening, and in the company that forms around our dinner tables, they actually create our humanity. Why? And ha- like, how did you come to realize something like that? That this, sitting, this cooking and this sitting down... Um, that's part of what helps us become our humanity? Um, first of all, through cooking for our family, through, I'll just say, I'll give an example. When, when our kids were young, when we lived in California, Chuck would come home from the studio uh, with a very short time to have dinner, but we always made, well, actually at every house we ever lived in, went as much as we could, we made dinner time. Um, we put a, a great value on being together. And so for record producers who are in the studio for long, long hours, it's, it's very difficult to both know when there's gonna be a dinner time and then to get away for dinner. But we, we just tried to make that happen as much as we could do it. But I realized then um, this is so important to our relationships that if we only have a half an hour on this day to be together, then I'm going to go to the trouble of creating some food for us to, to be around, both because we need to eat and both because we need to catch up, we need to tell each other about our day, we need a point of connection, and because I have these things in me that make me actually want to create in the world of food, then I'm gonna take some trouble to do it. But for the 30 minutes, you know, bam, it's here and it's gone. But it was worth it to me to do it because of all those things. Because it's a, it, it just all those things are happening. Relationships are either forming, or they're continuing, or they're deepening. Mm-hmm. Because you are taking 
Sometimes it's the only time you do it all day long and you sit together and you stop doing other things and you pay attention to each other. So you feed your bodies good, nourishing food that, that you know, that can taste really good, that can smell really good, that can be an artist, an, an artist creation in itself to make it. And, and then you sit and you pay attention to each other. So it's working on all these different levels. And all those different parts of what it really means to be human. Yeah. You know, like the... Exactly. As human, we want to have something that smells good and that looks good mm-hmm. and that feels good in your mouth. Yes. Um, yes, we're made in all those ways to, to respond, to need that, to be able to say, um, that, to feel the world through sense yes. and taste and... So I can see that whole idea of humanity coming to us mm-hmm. because we're learn because because we're learning it along the way. You know, if we're not given that, then we don't realize what we're missing, yes. and and we're it's getting truncated mm-hmm. in us. Mm-hmm. But when we're being given it, and then that time to be together. Yes. Yeah. So we always want to mm. be doing things that make us more human and yes. not less. Exactly. And that's one of one of the places. So you were willing to take thirty minutes to make a meal oh. that took. Or maybe longer. (laughs) I can be a slow cook. (laughs) Like sometimes things take time for me. Or I choose to do something that takes too long and I don't realize it. I'm just thinking about, you know, what it took to get those meals on the table back then. Yes. Um, That was with children and, and, um, you know, piano lessons and going to baseball practice and drum Mm -hmm. lessons and all of that. So it would be starting something. In the, in the kitchen, going and doing those other things, coming back to it, yes. doing some more work, going to pick the kids up, doing some more work, Chuck came, coming home, here's the 30 minutes, mm-hmm. he leaves, and then I'm left with the rest of it. with the cleaning and that, up. And that, yeah, and, and then as, as, but it was important. It, yeah. was, it was important for, for all those reasons, both because it was in me to do that and because... We needed that time together, mm-hmm. and then as as life progressed, and we went to the art house, and and now we're we're uh, we're feeding people that we've never met before. We might have an artist coming to work with Chuck we've never met. They're staying with us. I don't know them. I don't know their needs. Um, so I'm always anticipating, and I'm trying to find mm-hmm. out. Later in life, I learned to find out. Mm-hmm. You know about food issues and all that but I've got all these things going on what's going to be good for them be good for us be good for for all of us together and trying to anticipate need and that becomes part of the work part of the you know the whole thing of welcoming somebody into your space and and then we get to sit together and then we and that really is a time where you do feel very human together because you're mm-hmm. not doing anything else. You're, you're just you're feeding your bodies. You're getting to know each other. You're asking about families, and you know, um, you're telling stories, and you're connecting. And that was just such an important important part of what we did um, together and what I did. And, uh, did I answer your question? Yes, you did. Sure. I love listening to it because it's just good work. I, 
Mm-hmm. I, it resonates with me because I also love doing those things yeah. too, just bringing people around yeah. the table and. And then of course it continues on because your family grows up. Mm-hmm. They move out into the world. They have their families, and and there's always the ongoing nature of the family gathering, mm-hmm. and that's whether with children and their families or extended families or but that's just such a huge part of life as well and um and now with grandkids so yeah it's just something that continues on and on and continues to do the same good thing so you list a bunch of really interesting cookbooks you know you started at one place when you started cooking when you started realizing the importance of creating meals mm-hmm. with a certain skill set mm-hmm. i can imagine as the years have gone on and the cookbooks you've used and learned from mm-hmm. that maybe your cooking skills you want to learn you want to do creative things but maybe there's a, a there's a strong foundation for what you know how to do mm-hmm. so maybe it, there's still work in it of the the coming up with meals or the creating it but Maybe you're coming at it from there's a little bit more muscle memory for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And that's why putting the work into it over time has become so important mm-hmm. because you're not starting always back at point mm-hmm. one or the fir- point A. Right. You already know what works or what doesn't work or how to do certain things. Because right. yes. I know there are certain cooking skills that I don't know how to do. Yeah. So I always kind of lean more towards things yeah, that those fit really do. Me. They, they do accumulate, but I'm also learning new ones all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think the kitchen is so fascinating, or yeah. creating food is an endless source of creativity, because you, you always learn new things. I learn new things from my kids. I learn new things from my daughter-in-law is a really amazing cook, and that's part of what she does. Uh, she's music and food are her things. Uh-huh, that's great. And she's a really serious cook and I'll learn things from her. I'll watch her or help her cook and learn things from her that I've never done or never used or how she uses spices or, you know, all kinds so of things. All new so, things. So it's always unfolding, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one thing I've, I've just... In, so right now, if it's just Chuck and me, I cook a lot more simply. I'll just do easy, I'll do things that are like roasted salmon. Mm-hmm. It's done in 10 minutes, but I do uh, a lot of roasted vegetables, whether mm-hmm. it's summer vegetables from the farm stand or winter vegetables, and toss them around in olive oil and stick them in a 400 or 425 Me too. oven. Me Yes. And, um, you know, I can do that for us, and we, we love it. Yeah. In lots of different combinations of things like that. If it's a family gathering, then I would put more effort, or a friends gathering, I'll put more effort and, you know, use, use things I've done before. Or maybe, but there's, I have so many cookbooks now that mostly I stand in front of the cookbooks <laughs> with my hands on my hips and I just kind of look and I, and I try to remember mm-hmm. the things that are in them. And then I also have a lot of recipes that are just crammed into a book. Yeah, same here. And some I've used over the years. Some are new things I've, you know, You're hoping learned to get about to. or mm-hmm. try. And I really like trying things for a family gathering because 
There's so much grace in that. Yes. It just, whether it works or it doesn't, it doesn't really matter because you're just getting together. And, yeah. Uh, so do you have a couple, like, big group or family group recipes that are favorites that you might go to a few more times? I, I do roasted chicken a lot, but I've, I've recently begun doing roasted chicken in a new way. Really? Uh, do you know the buttermilk chicken? Recipe, it's fantastic. It's easy. It's delicious. It's just about so it's soaking a whole chicken really in buttermilk, in, in buttermilk and salt. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, because the barefoot contessa's roasted chicken is pretty wonderful. Yeah, I've you, I've done that one so many times over my lifetime, the barefoot contessa. But I'm just trying this one lately. That sounds wonderful. Um, yeah, when I'm with, yeah, if it's a family dinner, a lot of times I'm kind of trying new things. Then there are the the favorite, like if it's a, a large family gathering, mm-hmm. like Easter or Thanksgiving. Um, Easter, I always make James Beard's macaroni and cheese, mm. like a big giant bunch of it, because it is a crowd pleaser and kids they love it. Um, there's a certain kind. There's a, a stuffing that I make that's an old Martha Stewart magazine mm-hmm. recipe. That I've made for years so things like that or in Thanksgiving also it's it's like somebody always has to make this dish it's called cauliflower gratiné I think it has I've been making it for years and it has uh, garlic and butter and cream and um, all good things. Cauf- you know, sliced cauliflower and gruyere or mm. Swiss cheese on the top. I mean, it's just like if you don't like cauliflower, you will. You'll love, still like this. You will love this because it's all about cream, cream. butter, and garlic. Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds wonderful. With your grandkids, how have you included your grandchildren in your caring mm-hmm. for food and? places and people and just your cooking i pull up from the time that they're all very small like two years old i pull up a chair at the counter where i'm working and i give them something like measure out the oats for the granola and pour it in yeah you know and measure thing, measure thing, measure things out for cookies or for granola or whatever. Pour it in, stir it up, those things, and then it just gets progressively more mm-hmm. as they get older. Yeah. So I think just in real ways, and so all of them have skill at this point, whether it's through their own families and through time with me. So it's another way that you have cared for them, cared for your people. Yeah. It's a memory making, and it's, it's a memory like, making. It's, it's kind what of I'm incru- doing. enriching I'm in, their humanity. Yes, it's what I'm doing. Is I'm inviting them into it, and I want to pass on to them yeah. things that I love. So it's doing all of that. That's all beautiful. Mm-hmm. As we've been here at Lady Lodge, and you spoke to the women here, and you gave a picture of your life, and then talking about calling and how one's life unfolds. And as, as you have these different seasons, these different times in life that you keep getting to work on and work in your callings, I really appreciate it when you said, I have to write or I am not myself. And I need to listen to the ideas in my head and value them as I follow Jesus 
into those desires. And that really grabbed me, like this idea of following Jesus into these desires that I have. Mm-hmm. That really happened for me at a certain point in life. And that was when I was in my 40s and I was doing some work as part of our family business that I was becoming, it was just very full-time, and it was within, I could do it in in my home office, but it was very full-time, and it was something I just wasn't gifted at. It was a numbers thing. It was accounting and things like that. It was necessary, and I did it because it was our, our whole family business, but as I, as that just became more and more just a presence in my life that filled up so much time, I just kept thinking, who am I? Who who am I apart from what my husband does in the world? And, uh, and I began to assess. I got some help from a counselor and kind of did a assessment of who I am and what I love and all of those things. And and realizing that I'm a writer that came out of that time so as a part of discontinuing to work as our bookkeeper and beginning to say I have ideas and I have questions and I have things that I'm going to a bookstore but I don't see a book written about this particular thing and yet it's so present in my life and that was the whole caregiving and the, the labor and the artistry of all of that and um, so I just began to have I began to value my ideas because I began to see them for the first time as this is the way God has made me and up to that point in life I had never thought about myself that way not ever hmm. And so it was very revolutionary to say, um, I think I'm going to listen to that. Yeah. And I'm going to pay attention to that. And I don't know how to write a book or if even that's what I'm doing, but I'm going to just feel the freedom to move towards whatever that means, whatever it means to pay attention to these, these questions that I have and these these desires to talk about this part of life that is so much a part of everybody's life, but we don't really talk about it in, in a way of respect. And so, so that was really the first time of doing that. And then I just kind of kept on doing that from that point. You end with the follow Jesus into those desires. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, and that was a realizing that Jesus is giving me those, that is coming from Him, Um, those desires, those, you know, what I would come to understand as calling, being drawn towards something, yeah, that that was from Him, and that was, and it was right and good to follow Him towards those things, and uh, to, yeah, to learn what it meant to put sentences together and paragraphs together and and that took a long time but so through that process but also even yeah to to understand that I was a person who couldn't not write that that came around that time too that was from kind of assessing who are you what do you love where do you like to spend time how do you you know all those questions 
and realizing I've been writing my whole life, but I never thought about it in that way as, well, maybe you're a writer then. It was just, it, I just didn't think about it that way. I wasn't raised to think about it that way. Right. It seemed too personal, maybe, to be able to say. I, just, I didn't come from a family or a community or a town, anything, neither Chuck or I, neither one of us did, and we were raised in the same town that saw really uh, writing or music as a viable thing that would actually, Mm -hmm. you could actually pursue, and it would become your work as an adult, Yeah, and it could actually be your living, and you know, any of those things, it was for me, because I had caregiving things inside of me I would I was going to become a nurse and Mm -hmm. that's what my mom thought that's what I thought but so even though I'd been writing from the time I was a little kid nobody really paid attention to that and I had been loving books ever since I was a little kid it wasn't the kind of thing that anybody said hey maybe that means something so I realized when I was in my 40s that it meant something isn't that kind of God to say you might feel like you're getting older, but it's not too late. Like, oh, yeah. it is never I mean, too late for him to keep working on 40s, things. Yeah. Right. No. But there's still the rest of your life to be able to live out yes. those things. So that's, you know, that's more than, what is it? More than 20 years ago. Yeah. Way more than 20 years ago. Sam was still home at the time. Then I began to, it was really a paying attention to say, this is valid. This is valid. So pay attention and show up. Show pay up attention at the desk. and show up. Pay attention and show up. Well, thank you, Andy. I think it's time for you to go swim. I think so, too. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Square Halo. You can download a free sample from the title we discussed today by visiting the podcast page at squarehalobooks.com. In art, a square halo identified a living person who was considered to be a saint. Square Halo Books is devoted to publishing works useful for equipping and encouraging today's saints. I hope you are encouraged and will join me again for other conversations.